This week on episode 526 of Priority One, the next generation of tours is in full swing at Ticonderoga, set photos from Picard Season 3, Star Trek Online gets spooky in their first Halloween special, and we review the latest episode of Lower Decks, Wedge Douge. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 526 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, October 5th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, October 8th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. Guys, New York Comic Con starts in just a couple of days. Oh my God, are you freaking out? What are you gonna wear? Uh, probably just a you know a, a Star Trek T-shirt and a blazer like I normally do. Oh, original. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I stick with I stick with formula. I stick with the classics. That's true. I stick with. I did order new T-shirts that I'm hoping will arrive in time from T Fury. So Ooh. it said shipped, but I went to check on it today, and it's some it's in some kind of weird limbo. But I'm looking forward to rocking some new Star Trek themed T-shirts. Oh man, I wish I was. Going to New York Comic Con. More importantly, though, I'm excited about the panel with Kennedy and Sue from Women at Warp, where we're going to be discussing the concept of community and how Star Trek inspires good community and how we can all be a part of a better community by looking to Star Trek for inspiration. So I'm really excited for that. That's happening Saturday afternoon after the Discovery panel. Cool. And you'll be Fantastic. missed. Pat. You'll be missed for sure. But maybe a trip to Ticonderoga. Oh, my God. We need to do that. Uh, So you guys out there, if we go to Ticonderoga, you should come too. That's right. We'll make some plans. We'll make some plans. Roscoe, we will send you pictures. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Yeah. Just tag me. Tag me in the pictures and go, look where you're not. Um, Yes. That's... I'll get there. I'll get there eventually right, in right. like a year's time, right. something like that. Right. Yeah, it's going to be okay eventually. <laughs> so international travel will be back on the cards at some point, which I'm very much looking forward to. We'll make plans. I will sleep. I will have to bunk at your houses to pay for it, but that's okay. That's perfectly we'll make fine. It work. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Right getting that on record. Getting that on record. They both said that's fine. Ah, I got a guest room. You have your we own have bathroom. Guest, it's all good. We have a guest room too. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. All right. Okay. Well, you can come and visit me anytime I do have a guest. No, thanks. I don't like spiders. We can make that work, too. They won't let us in there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that and the spiders, for sure. That and the spiders. I'll get rid of the spiders. Okay. And the kangaroos. It'll be okay. What? No, I like the No, I like... Yeah, I want to see the kangaroos. And koala bears. I can make all of that work. And let's get into the news. But before we do just that, if you are a brand new listener to the show, for starters, welcome. We hope you'll stay in touch. This show is produced by a community of volunteers who donate their time and their talents because like you they are passionate about what star trek is all about so we hope you'll get involved and be a part 
of our community. Follow us on social media so you can share your thoughts about the weekly headlines. Join the Armada so that you can experience Star Trek gaming with like-minded Trekkies. Or consider joining the team and lending your skills and passion to producing this show. Now, Captains, as you hear me say each and every week, this show is produced by a group of volunteers. None of us get paid for the time and efforts that we put into producing this show each and every week. And in order to keep the lights on, we need to turn to you, our listeners, to support the show financially so that we can continue to pay for hosting, for the files that are the actual show, for software, for the website, etc. With your help, we can continue to produce the quality content you've come to expect each and every week. And the best part is you can start at just a dollar a month. And if many of you do a dollar a month, that adds up. So we encourage you to visit us over at our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one pod, where you'll see a list of tiers that you can contribute from one to whatever amount. And we try to incentivize each contribution each month with some little thank you in some way, shape or form. May not be a lot, but we do our best to show you that we are appreciative of your support. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash priority one. No pod, just patreon.com forward slash priority one. Now, let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Over the years, we've had the privilege of attending some phenomenal Star Trek-themed events and exhibits, but few are as spectacular as what you'll find in the sleepy town of Ticonderoga, New York. You see, James Cawley, who grew into fame as an Elvis impersonator, is also a die-hard Trekkie. His passion was so great that he decided to rebuild the sets for the original series, where an old retail store used to be. He didn't just want to build the Enterprise. He wanted to recreate the old Desilu set. Now, after at least four years of being open to the public, Kali is expanding. As they work to acquire an adjacent building, Kali and his team have begun diligently recreating the sets from the next generation. Local news station WCAX got a sneak peek of their progress. When speaking to reporter Kat Viglianzani, Kali explains he has the original blueprints as well as a direct line to Star Trek's legendary creators, Mike and Denise Okuda. Man, that's so cool. So are you saying to me he has all the specs and diagrams at home? He does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> that's nice. amazing. Awesome. <laughs> well done, Roscoe. Well done. Nice. <laughs> um, I think they've been doing this for a while, so I'm I'm guessing that the acquiring of the adjacent building is taking much longer than they anticipated. A lot of this has taken a lot longer. He says in the interview that, you know, COVID really slowed them down for an entire year. Yeah. And what they showcased during the sneak peek was, if I'm not mistaken, the back wall paneling, the back wall computers of the Enterprise D bridge. Mm. So, it, and it looks amazing. 
I mean, the 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 screens are they they they're animated. I don't know if you can touch them, and I don't know if they're responsive. But not only is he going to do the bridge, but he has plans to expand it and you know have a transporter room, hallways, and if it's anything like the original series set tour, it's gonna be like another church. It's just amazing. Yeah, Kat, you've been there, right? Why don't you talk about oh man that experience when you when you went? I mean, there may have been something in my eyeball when we walked onto the bridge a, a little bit. Um, oh, did you get a little misty? Was the air dry I, in there? A li- I mean, I wasn't crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really powerful. I mean, the, you know, when you walk in, you know, they've got props and costumes and it's kind of a cool, you know, setup, gift shop, you know, combined. But the minute you walk through the doors and you see the way they have it set up, oh man, you're there on the Enterprise, the original not the bloody A, B, C, D, you know, none of that. <laughs> You're there. And it's, oh, it's just so cool. It's so vibrant. The colors that he uses, not just the lighting, right? But just the, the paint and the LEDs in the consoles and the gumdrop buttons. Yeah. I mean, it is just, it, it's like, it's walking into church. It really, that's what it feels like. You And the way they do it is that, you know, you go through engineering and then you go up a ramp and you're in a, in a turbo lift and then the doors open. And it's you just it's just silence. You just it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And and the best part of it too is that it's not that he was just trying to create an original series ship. It's he's trying to recreate Desi Lu soundstage, right? So you see the lights hanging above head, and you know, there are there are original gobos that were used to, you know, uh, have the patterns of light on the floor. It's phenomenal how much detail Kali and his team have put into making this come to life. Oh yeah. I mean, the med bay, when we, you know, you can go through each area. So they show you the medical bay. You can see Spock's quarters and the captain's quarters and the conference room. What was in there? Uh, the lo- the liar? The yeah, the... Loot, the liar, the Vulcan liar thing that yeah. Spock plays. They, mm-hmm. they have that. They have some three-dimensional chess sets. Oh, my God. It's so cool. You know, I never got an opportunity to see Star Trek The Experience uh, in Las Vegas. I never got to. I did. Yeah. You see, that's like the one thing that kind of slipped through my fingers that I never got a chance to see. Roscoe, do you have any opportunity to, I mean, I know you've been to Vegas for the Star Trek convention. Mm -hmm. Have any of these kind of experiences gone through Australia? Ooh, not that I can immediately recall, but that's not to say that they haven't. We do have some excellent uh, pop culture conventions in uh, Supernova uh, that happen in most of the capital cities across the country, and they bring a lot of people from around the world to these amazing conventions. They're not specifically around Star Trek, but if you're going to get any one from Star Trek in Australia, it's most likely around that. I remember a few years ago, George Takei visited the Gold Coast convention and had a fantastic time. But at the same time, Barbara Eden was there as well from I Dream of Genie. But do they ever bring sets or exhibits or anything like that? Uh, probably. It would be very right. difficult to do, but not impossible. The, the closest that I have come was in Star Trek Las Vegas 2019 and they had the original series bridge set up there. Uh, I also got a photo with Jonathan Frakes in the 10 forward recreation set and that in itself was a little moment so I I imagine that in the future when I do get to go to Ticonderoga and walk onto that next generation set I will have a I will have a 
full yeah, meltdown, an emotional breakdown because of the sheer joy of walking onto that set. Because I can tell you the first photo opportunity that I'd ever had after never Star Trek Las Vegas 2019 was my first ever Star Trek convention. So being able to just line up, head over, bump fists with Frakes and get a photo with him. I needed a little <laughs> moment after that just to sent, recenter myself because it was huge. Of course, it was 30 seconds of his time, if anything, but it was just an amazing moment and to be, just be there and it's sort of, it's pretty much 10 forward. So let's dial that up to 100. Right. I'm going to need a week off. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, captains, we strongly encourage you that if you have the means to do so, take a trip over to Ticonderoga, New York. It's not the easiest of travel destinations, but there are ways to get there from Albany, New York, or Buffalo, or New York City, for example, to experience this, because it really is just, it's a mecca. It really is a mecca, more so than Vegas. Oh, it's historically significant there, too, because they do have Fort Ticonderoga, where a battle during the Revolutionary War was fought, so you can go to the fort. Uh, It's beautiful in upstate New York uh, Mm -hmm. this time of year. The leaves are changing. It's gorgeous. Oh, man. And when you go, let them know that Priority One, a Roddenberry podcast sent you. We're not getting any kickbacks, but I want them to know that they have our full support. The awesome thing, in addition to the experience itself, is that they have implemented uh, vaccination requirements. So you cannot go unless you have proof of uh, vaccination. And then in the springtime, Brent Spiner and Gates McFadden will be there. So they'll be a little, they do a little convention where you can get tickets and, you know, they have a few vendors and a nearby area, dinner opportunities, all that jazz. So keep Keep an eye out for that. If you've been following Star Trek Picard executive producer and showrunner Terry Metalis on Twitter, then you've seen the images he's been sharing from the set of the show. If you're not following him, then you may want to. Since season two has wrapped filming, the images he posted are likely sneak peeks from season three. Either way, they're definitely interesting. The images are all from what appears to be a Starfleet vessel from the late 24th century. The first image features the helm console for the ship, with Metalis noting the Elkars interface, introduced on Star Trek The Next Generation. We will have the link in the show note, but of particular interest, the replicated display and table setting that includes a 24th century Starfleet emblem and some new sci-fi cutlery. We still don't know what the second season holds, but we have been told that the Q storyline will wrap up in season two, and it's also very likely that Jonathan Frakes will return to direct some episodes of season three. Did you guys see those pictures of the of the silver well, I guess silverware or the cutlery? It was the weirdest looking cutlery. I'm like, I'm not sure what you're supposed to eat with that uh, fork quote quote. <laughs> it was like a fork and then a weird spoon and not a knife, but right. like a, a wedge. Some impossible kind of device looking right. thing. Else. <laughs> A, w- yeah. a wedge with a blade? Yeah, maybe you eat like a yeah. super interesting dessert with that uh, utensil. <laughs> Space dessert. Delicious. I Five bucks says that this is going on StarTrek.com soon. Ooh. I mean, but I don't know about that thing, but the spoon was cool. And the, the plates were really cool. I definitely yeah. like the china. Yeah. The china set was excellent. The 
replicator, the look of that in uh, Terry's post and the clean lines, the design, it just looks beautiful. I want this in my house. I mean, I want a replicator in my house, obviously, but the look of it is absolutely beautiful. Well, can't wait to see more from the Picard series. I mean, we could speculate what about what all this means, but I think we nah, may. too early, too early, too <laughs> I'm early. like, it's a little early, but interesting that they're back in a Starfleet ship in the third season after a Q episode. It's hard to draw a lot of potential storylines from a replicator menu. And if you zoom right in, I can tell you that there's Mexican food and tea on the menu. So take from that what you will, folks. It's all we got. Where's the Cuban food, damn it? It's on the, you have to scroll to the next page exactly, on the yeah. menu. Anson Mount recently spoke about Strange New Worlds, where he echoed Akiva Goldsman's description of the show, saying, quote, We wanted our show to be more or less a throwback in every way we could, which meant more of an episodic structure. And so every episode is a distinct story, but the star of the show is the the ship and the big idea of the week, end quote. As we've also discussed on prior episodes, filming for Strange New Worlds was done using augmented reality. And Mount also spoke about that experience saying, quote, it's wild, man. Imagine an entire soundstage where the walls are high definition screens and there's a ceiling projection. It's really interesting to be in these environments because it's a whole other level of filmmaking that I've never seen before, end quote. A release date for Strange New Worlds has not yet been announced, but a big thanks to TrekMovie.com for sharing this exclusive interview from their coverage of Star Trek Day. So are you saying that this new episodic television series, each episode is going to be episodic in nature? <laughs> is that what they're getting at? It's really hard yeah, to tell. I mean, I've heard a couple, couple in the of many times interviews that we've that heard. <laughs> I am looking forward to it. I'm really excited to see them go back to a formula that's a little more familiar, uh, while still maintaining that memory from you know last week's episode right that the, that the the impact that things have on the characters aren't forgotten but now here are a few headlines that we didn't discuss but we thought might interest you links of course will be in our show notes in book news the first novel in the star trek coda series has been released this trilogy continues the adventures of characters from the next generation deep space nine and voyager the three books in the trilogy are moments asunder by datum Ward, The Ashes of Tomorrow by James Swallow, and Oblivion's Gate by David Mack. Moments Asunder is already available with the two sequels following in October and November. The pre-order pages include synopses for the books, revealing a plot dealing in time travel. We got another glimpse at the upcoming Prodigy animated series. Nickelodeon recently tweeted a new trailer with the announcement that the show premieres on October 28th. Finally, are you ready to take flight on a midlife crisis? of cosmic proportions, then you should definitely check out the series idea from the creators of Saturday Night Live. This new show would be titled Star Trek Ego Quest. It will follow the voyages of the SS New Shepard and its crew of random weirdos. Its mission? To just sort of fly around space goofing off in a ship that looks like a penis. <laughs> you know, I'm not a fan of all of most of SNL's Star Trek parodies. Some of them are really good. And then like the Spocko one just did. I did not. That was just not funny for me. But this one was witty and smart. And, I, uh, you know, it, it had a point. I mean, A plus for the use of Luke Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Owen Wilson is amazing. But yeah, Luke, way to go. <laughs> 
That was great. Get Luke in for the day. Come on uh, down. I was laughing. Put this so weird hard. wig on. It's really funny. I'd watch that show. I mean, just to make fun of it. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Congratulations. High score. Replicate yourself a pumpkin spice Ructagino and prepare to carve out a new experience in Star Trek Online. The MMO announced this week it will hold its first ever Halloween event. Quote, Captains will find themselves transported to an ancient castle on Pyrus 7. The classic aliens from the original series episode Catspaw, the old ones, have returned again to study humanity, but their plans have been disrupted by the Davidians. End quote. The three-week event will be a single activity with the usual mechanics. We're playing the event Task Force Operation Cat's Tail. Every 20 hours rewards you with one daily progress token. After 14 days of progress, you unlock the event rewards. The Transmuter Wand Universal Kit Module. The Old One Vanity Pet. With the first character receiving 25,000 dilithium ore and three featured episode reward boxes. The Universal Kit Module Transmuter muter wand will transform your targets into a sentient black cat complete with bad luck aura the aura disables shields and most powers to nearby allies who will flee in fear from the frightful feline the event will be available on all platforms starting october 13th and the interesting note is that this will become a regular annual event similar to first contact day the article notes it begins with the one tfo with plans to grow the event year to year with more content so this is the first time that Star Trek Online is doing an official Halloween event after 10 years. That's fun and that's exciting. Yes. We've had the Bonniekin episode and that usually shows up on Friday the 13th. And what's the name of that mission? No, that's not it. It's something uh, clone. Yeah, that's not it. That's a Isn't scary. That's like the scary episode. But the one you do is something about the Cybok clone and mm-hmm. it takes five minutes. Hearts and minds. Hearts and minds. There we go. Hearts That's and minds. That's what mind. it's called. So wait, which is anyway. the one about? Which is the one with the the freaky holodeck? The the yeah. That's just normal mission thing. I that was that part that of the Davidian, one of the Davidian yeah Davidian oh, story arc right, okay. where you go to Drozana, the lights are flickering, and you say, "Hey, bartender, what's the lights?" It's all blurred and... for me now. All these missions are all blurred together. <laughs> Specters, thank Spectres, you, Kel. MG. <laughs> That one. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, this is a nice way of getting us all back into the game and in some fun, immersive way to tie in some story. So I'm looking forward to it. I love the fact that there's still some incredibly weird episodes of the original series that have not been mined for content. And this, I can honestly say this is one of the few episodes I haven't seen. And so now I have to go and watch it. Watch Cat's Paw. I know. But I just have to how watch weird it. it is. I have to watch it now too, because I remember this topic of a Halloween event coming up before, but I'd never watched that episode. Guys, I would be so sad if... Star Trek Online starts telling absurd stories like Lower Deck. I would be so sad. No, they wouldn't do that. But, you know, you say that... I mean, but, I there could be one absurd episode. You see, you say that, but our Rivera's in charge, and I have a feeling that he loves Lower Decks, and I have a feeling he's going to be like, great, this gives us permission to do some wild and wacky things. And I hope that they don't. I, mm, 
I hope that they do. No. I, mean, I really do. Because then it adds to the broad spectrum of the game, just like we have a broad spectrum of Trek at the moment. There is Trek to suit every taste. I, so I if you don't mind. like the wacky, that's fine. <laughs> but then it's going but if you do, it's going to be available in the game because then you can play that's your that's your holodeck, that's your fun house for that show that you're really into. When we get to it, we're, we're going to get to episode nine. Are we on eight or nine of Lower Decks now? We're on nine. We're on nine, right? So we'll get to this in, the, in our review, but I am I definitely know what works for me personally and what doesn't. Then this next episode of Lower Decks is a great example of, of that, right? Of that mindset of, I don't mind the humor. I don't mind the jokes and I don't mind the shtick or slapstick. What I have a hard time with is when they aggressively make fun of Star Trek, right? Within the same universe that's when i get pulled out i I hope that star trek online doesn't look at lower decks and give themselves permission to do that i don't mind humor i don't mind comedy i am i love to laugh (laughs) that's me laughing and i love it (laughs) sounded like it too (laughs) yeah i could tell that was from the heart the dead ice cold heart (laughs) <laughs> I just, it pulls me out when it's so in your face. And I hope that Star Trek Online doesn't do that. I think it's very healthy to have a little bit of humor about yourself and have a bit of a chuckle. So the fact that they can poke fun about Star Trek, it's not, I don't think it comes from a bad place. It's For me, it's done with love. I find it endearing because it's, again, it's a tribute to everything that's come before. They're touching on that. They're poking fun at that because at times it's utterly ridiculous. I, I, you know, I get it. I totally, uh, you know what? Green hand. We can, we can. A giant green I, hand. I totally get grabbed it. the Enterprise. I totally get it. And I have no problem with humor and a little bit of jab. But when it's so in your face, it pulls me out of it. And, and I think that it, uh, you know, this last week, well, you know what? We'll get to it. We'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. What, what do we have any other gaming mm-hmm. news or it's been a light week? I mean, that's the only announcements from the game. I know some people have completed the event to get the mirror. Gagarin like I did today. Uh, some people got it earlier, but I haven't unpacked it and I haven't set it up yet. But um, but yeah, lots of people imagine we'll be seeing that ship in the next few days. I think that next week you should report on that ship and tell us your experience hey, in it. Maybe I homework will. for cat. Oh, we gotta play the game and fly a ship. Oh, that <laughs> sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That wraps up gaming news this week. Now let's look on screen to the latest episode of Lower Decks Season 2. On screen. Computer. Set Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 9, Wedge Douge. On screen. What do the Lower Deckers do on a long-haul warp trip? Spend some time on the holodeck? Pottery? Mother-daughter game night? Everybody has a bridge buddy to spend time with, except for Boimler. And that's just on the Cerritos. All right, let's get some statistics out of the way. This episode was written by Catherine Lynn, directed by Bob Suarez, and it premiered on October 7th, 2021. Michael, as always, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Why don't we start with you? Why don't you share with us any thematic takeaways or references that you might have noticed while watching the episode? Yeah, well, there were certainly a lot to... (laughs) 
<laughs> a lot to notice. Um, I guess maybe if you don't mind, I'll just kind of start with my uh, kind of my general take on the episode, like with my rating. I, I felt like this was was probably close to like a three out of five. I thought there were some really kind of great moments, you know, and callbacks that were that really funny. But I, I just thought, it, you know, it was a, it was an OK. Uh, it went pretty well. I did appreciate the chance to kind of think about the lower decks of other, you know, of, of other people, including the board. Oh, my God. Right. At the, at the end, which I thought that was, credit scene was hilarious. I thought it was very funny. And then, of course, uh, the, you know, the scene where um, Boimler goes up in the climbs. Uh, it's, it's El Capitan, right? In Yosemite. In the the vertical boots. I thought that was quite, I thought that was quite humorous. And a nice, you know, callback, especially with the shirt. Right? Go climb a rock. So overall, I thought things were pretty good, pretty funny. Uh, not my favorite episode, but definitely one that had some. Now, why? Part of it was the Vulcan, the storyline. I thought that the caricatures of the other kind of, you know, like the Klingons, I thought that was quite funny. The um, the caricatures of the Packwoods, always funny, especially like Red Alarm. Red Alarm. Red Alarm. Red Alarm. <laughs> I love that part, too. <laughs> But I don't know, like, I just felt like the Vulcan punchlines were not that good. Like, the caricatures just didn't hit me in the same way that the Packlet ones did and the Klingon one did, though. So, I don't know. Uh, overall, I thought it was okay. I guess I would just say that I, I wish that, I just wish that the Vulcan jokes had hit a little bit harder, at least for me. And maybe that's just a me thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to own that. But for me, the, the the Vulcan side of the story just wasn't quite on par with the, the Klingon and the Packlet and the humans, or not the human, I'm sorry, but the, the Federation side of the story. Don't you think they try to portray each Lower Deck crew kind of with their versions of the Lower Decks characters? So, to, you know, to me, obviously, the Vulcan one was Mariner, but the Klingon one was Seymour Boimler to me. Mm-hmm. I got that as well. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You know, she's basically like, I do what I want. <laughs> you know? Even her, even that, that walkout scene. When she's like, live long and prosper. She has lost all control. Yes! <laughs> I, I just like the Vulcan stuff. I thought it was great. This episode really solidified what I like and what I don't like about Lower Decks for me. Because the first 15 minutes was interesting, right? I was like, okay, this is this is interesting, the direction that they're taking and what they're trying to show. You know, Lower Decks among the different species, like the main ones that we all know about. All right. But, you know, where is this going? Where is it going? There were a lot of little, you know, injected Easter eggs throughout the the thing. Uh, For example, um, when Mariner and and her mom are playing Starship Clue, she talks about the sniper that can go through walls, and that's the uh, TR-116. And the only reason I remember that is because I remember that rifle being pretty powerful in Star Trek Online at one point, and like the one that you had to craft. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's the TR-116B! Oh, I know that rifle from uh, from Deep Space Nine. I liked the, the Vulcan play, right? Because what got me was every time they told her, get a hold of yourself. And she was, you know, all she did was say, I have a feeling, you know, like that's all she was saying. She was still very stoic and very Vulcan. You know, as she walks away out of the room at one point, one of the Vulcans like, she's lost all control. Like, it's just so odd and weird. Something about this feels off. Feels off. You have been spoken to about this before, Talyn. But, you know, very Vulcan. The scene with Shax losing his over 
Bajor, right? When Boimler asks him if he's learned if he learned how to do pottery on Bajor. Uh, I thought that was hilarious, right? Because that's that was Kira in season one of Deep Space Nine, right? She would just lose her mind. You know, talking about the resistance. The resistance! Fighting fascism is a full-time job! He's not kidding! <laughs> that was a great line, right? That was a great line. When it finally clicked for me, when the plot actually revealed itself, right? That the Klingons, that sh that particular Klingon captain was the one responsible for supplying the packleds with their weaponry, right? And all the equipment and all the things that, that bolstered them up. I'm not saying that Star Trek needs action to be entertaining. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what engaged me in this particular episode was that the humor again was injected into the main, the plot, right? It wasn't, it didn't start absurd and then have to, you know, layer that with funny on top of funny on top of funny. So you're already at that top, the top of that comedy mountain where it's just, where do you go from there? Instead, things got serious and the Cerritos had to band together to fight the villain, right? And and the Vulcans and the Cerritos had to fight together to defeat this enemy. Then there's also conflict on the Klingon ship and the one brave Klingon to stand up for the importance of being a part of this galactic family, that got me engaged, right? This is the episode where I I can very articulately say I appreciate Lower Decks better when they inject the humor into a quote-unquote serious plot or conventional plot versus when they are being funny almost for shock value. And I know that there's been a lot of heat from last week's episode. Star Trek Twitter is on fire over last week's Boimler spread eagle. And I can understand why, right? That scene, for example, was just so intensely making fun of TNG that it pulled the joke out for me. Like it wasn't, it didn't, it, it, it's, it stopped being funny and it felt more critical. Ilya, can I ask you a question about that? Yeah, go ahead. I don't do the Twitter thing um, because I care about my mental health. Um, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but since since you do follow Twitter, um, do you think that the rage is because TNG is being skewered or is it because it was just like so absurd and over the top that it it's almost like you know the person who screams so loud that it hurts everybody's ears you know what i mean like the difference there i think there's a combination of it i think there's a combination of those two things and then on top of that male fragility there's a lot of male fragility that oh it's you know i don't want to see boimler spread eagle that's gross but you know these are people who don't argue that there was a lot of regression in terms of star trek storytelling in enterprise right uh azyla pearl uh commented on one of my tweets because i had i had noticed that in enterprise a lot of males male actors were brought back to play either you know, the recurring role or alien species, right? The, you know, it was always the men, always the men that were brought back. And very seldom was a woman actor brought back, an actress brought back to either play a different role or whatnot. Yeah, Susie Plaxton's the only one I can think of. Yeah, Susie, there's very, there's just a, like one or two. Well, Major Barrett. Obviously. There's a disproportionate amount of men who were brought back versus women who were brought back. And so if you're not going to get pissed about Enterprise and, you know, their decon gel scenes, then you can't get pissed about Boimler Spread Eagle, right? For me, personally, that scene was about shock value, and I'm not big on shock value, right? If you're gonna do something like that, have a purpose, right? Have it mean something in some way, because otherwise it just, it just becomes a... It doesn't feel like a criticism, it feels like trolling. 
And that's kind of, that's where Lower Decks loses me. But for this episode, you know, I loved the last 15 minutes of it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the music was phenomenal. The music was amazing. The underscore, especially in the last 15 minutes, the, the underscore was amazing. But yeah, I know where I, I know where I sit with Lower Decks. And I know what I like about it and what I don't now. So writing out of five? Uh, like 2.5. 2.8. 2.8. We're going to get a wow. minority report from Kat. Kat, how about you? Liv, what got you most excited? Well, the fact that we got to see Lower Decks on other ships. I mean, that was just amazing to me. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh, what is happening? I'm like, no way. This is awesome. Um, I love the Klingon guy. I can't remember his name now. I didn't mind the Vulcan one. I'm just like, oh, she's Vulcan Mariner. Live long and prosper, sir. But what I was wondering after all of that is now it's, is it the season finale next week? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. And so, well, we know the Vulcan got shipped back and she's getting reassigned to Starfleet. What's going to happen to the Klingon guy when he goes back to Kronos? I think we're going to see those characters again. Hope so. Um, And if so, awesome. Uh, but I loved this episode. This was one of my favorite episodes. I gave it a 4.5. Wow. All right. All right. Roscoe. For me, this reminded me a lot of Deep Space Nine, particularly the episodes later in the series where we would go off on an adventure with General Martok and his crew on the Rotaran, or we would follow Kira as Dukat took her to a conference that got blown up. We were off with other ships. We were still on the Cerritos, but we had other adventures and it all came together. The story all came together in the end. I enjoyed this so much. For me, Lower Decks is just on an upward trajectory curve in terms of episode quality. There was no moment for me where any of the jokes didn't land. I felt like they nailed it the whole way through. The Vulcan scenes had me roaring with laughter. Not as big as the final scene, the End credit scene with the Borg lower decks. Yeah. Oh man. So I watched that. I watched every second of I that. I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. I could not <laughs> stop laughing. That was just wonderful. All of the characters felt real and realized because we've set up the idea of these are the folks who are on ensigns who are on the lower deck. So all of the characters on the other ships, we understand the mold, and that, but we're just going to make them and put them in different settings. So we've established what they're like on the lower, the Cerritos, who the lower decks are. Let's do that on other ships. So that idea was already in place for me to really easily make the transition to the Klingon ship and then to the Vulcan ship. The extra voice actors that were in there well I'm just I'm just ticking off oh, I know that voice I know that voice that's great that's great Nolan North again oh my god he's everywhere then with the threat neutralized no further communication is necessary Oh, isn't he a ton of fun? I got my wish. Last week I said I want more callbacks to Enterprise. I got more callbacks to Enterprise. Just like that. Oh, with the Dakir? Yeah, that yeah. was mm-hmm. awesome. That sweet Vulcan ship. And that thing is huge. Absolutely huge. Really just looked great. And that battle at the end, that battle scene, was epic. Just so well done. The one thing I have to compliment the Lower Decks team is their space battle scenes are just... Just so on better point. Better than Picard. This- 
Yeah, they really are. Uh, they kind of are. So. Yeah. The, the, and I completely agree with you, Elio. The soundtrack, the, the scoring on that leading into it and building up, it just brought me along the whole time. So that I, It was literally edge of my seat stuff, leaning forward, enjoying this so much. Leads into the season finale beautiful because now we have characters going off in different directions. Some will come back as in, um, oh, I have a feeling we'll get a new Vulcan officer on the Cerritos. Where is that Klingon now captain heading off to? Who's he going to talk to? Well, he's going to talk to Chancellor Martok if we're lucky. So maybe there could be uh, Martok who turns up in the season finale. I'm crossing my fingers. But yeah, I'm right there with you, Kat. This was great. I'm four and a half out of five. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> I just want to say one thing about the music is that what I appreciate about the music is that you can hear a sample of Jerry Goldsmith, right? And the films but it they don't lean too heavily on it and they don't it's a nice compliment it is not the centerpiece right it's not a rearrangement of that original motion picture no, it's not the motion picture right it's is it wrath of khan it sounded like wrath of khan to me yeah yeah i thought it was wrath of khan yeah, yeah i thought it was wrath of khan it's a sample that complements it and it works really really well without hitting you over the head with it and then a lot there was there were these moments in the music on the Vulcan ship that were also just very engaging. I encourage you to do a rewatch of it and just listen to the music, at least in the last 15 minutes of it. Honestly, overall, the sound effects for this episode are really good because when you go into the pottery, when they went into the pottery room, there, there you could hear spa music. Take your never-ending bonfire of rage and bury it in the clay. Get out of here, rage! So yeah, this one just was a nice audio experience for this episode. Michael? I just wanted to echo Roscoe's uh, desire for more enterprise and uh, I hope, you know, that we will see some more of that uh, going forward. I also just thought that I don't usually use the word touching to uh, describe uh, Lower Decks, but I did uh, appreciate the sort of um, interaction between Boimler and the group of Hawaiians. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Quote, unquote, Hawaiian. And, and, and just appreciated that uh, the growth that happens there around and sort of the vulnerability of oh like look everyone from the first officer down is telling stories about themselves to others in order to be more acceptable and that's very fitting for a Boimler type character right who's so desperate for approval and for promotion and I just thought that was a, a lovely little side tale within the episode yeah I really liked when they were in uh, their 10 forward or whatever we're calling that on the Cerritos uh, where Ransom you know after he sent the little ensign guy over to Boimler with the recommendation to talk to him then he just you know Ransom just you know looks over to them I just thought that was nice it was nice I also really appreciated the pottery scene where Shax loses his mind over the mention of Bajor for me that enhanced the character and his emotional growth it's another move along in the growth of Shax because of course he would be traumatized we know that Kira was traumatized. It's just Shax is not a jerk about it. Kira was a jerk about it. It's like, oh, did you have this growing up? No, I was in a refugee camp fighting Cardassians. And it's just like, oh, way to bring the mood down. God, okay. Whereas Shax, losing his mind like that, I feel is a little bit more, or having having a moment where he it all came back to him, it felt more realistic in that there was something that was brought up and he was 
emotionally triggered by that. That just felt a little bit more realistic with now how we talk about mental health and way to go Rutherford for bringing him back, you know, bring the Papa Bear back and let's focus on the clay. Love that. Done in a really sensible, playful way. Doesn't bring us out of the moment, but for me, didn't lessen the impact of that moment as well. So this show continues to do a lot of little things very, very well. I'm going to make an ashtray in the shape of a teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> For my incense. Right? <laughs> For my incense, yes. yes. Yeah, it is kind of incredible, though, that a, a show that I think is primarily kind of comedy, sometimes leads into leans into absurdity, manages in some of its best moments to actually touch on really kind of deeply human issues like, you know, acceptance and community and like the need to deal with human trauma. And, and it does it in ways that, like you said, Roscoe, that are both kind of humorous, but also, you know, recognize sort of the seriousness of the things. And I, th- and I think that's at least a compliment to the show. That wraps up this week's On Screen for Star Trek Lower Decks. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. This week we asked, if you were a Starfleet cadet under assessment, which Star Trek episode would you want to be your simulation or evaluation and why? On Twitter, Captain BG2301 answered, saying, I think I would like the mirror simulation. I feel it would be fun to get to pretend you're in the mirror universe. From the Priority One Armada, Lamtor said, The one where Data and Lore had a mini cult of Borg, trying to break the captain and counselor out of the cell by talking through a hacked tricorder. The episode he's referring to is Descent. Also from the Priority One Armada, Connor said, I reckon the episode where Janeway convinces the Borg to let them travel through their core which episode is Scorpion? Well, that wraps up episode 526 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters, like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment or a voice message on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Stoke players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. As I mentioned at the start of the show, We are a group of volunteers. None of us get paid for the time and work that we put into producing the show. And in order to keep the lights on, we need your help. So consider becoming a patron at even just a dollar a month. If many of you give one dollar, that goes a long way. Find out about all the cool perks we have to offer our patrons by visiting patreon.com forward slash priority one. 
And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, The Guard will take you inside the universe of your favourite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Rand, Brandon, William, Alex, and Lennon. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to our social media managers, Sarah and James. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Computer, set something. Uh, okay, on fire. Computer, I I was I didn't have the f- stupid page open. <laughs> Hold on, before I continue, please. I'm sorry, editors. Give me a second because I want to do this properly. I'm the one who's editing it. Oh, sorry. Don't oh, <laughs> apologize directly <laughs> to me. Apologize right to Roscoe, sorry, Roscoe. to his face. <laughs> sorry, Roscoe. Uh, give me one second. I'll find it in a hot moment. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.